1: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that's still angry that Pluto is no longer considered a planet, the garage's stargazer. He is
2: the captain. Guess it's all relative. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you all the way from the planet Pluto. Thanks for listening, thanks for telling a friend.
1: Today we are drinking Flannel Mouth by Blake's Hard Cider Company. Garage grade four out of five bottle caps. Flannel Mouth is made from 100% Michigan grown apples. And you know, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love everything about this. And they, got they worms. Use, <laughs> they use a wide, there's no worms. They use a wide array of late season table and dessert apples. This combination gives it a sweet flavor that finishes incredibly smooth. And our fridge is full today because of these incredible souls. Up first in Ballyclare, UK,
2: Miss Lauren.
1: Cheers. Next, we have a thank you. This says, thank you for the bloody awesome podcast. Please visit Australia sometime. Cheers from Leah in Victoria, Australia.
2: Well, bloody cheers, mate.
1: We also have Dave up in Montreal. And breaking my unplanned theme of people outside of the United States, mm-hmm. let's say hi and cheers to Brian in Central Illinois. Hi Brian. Next we have a beer recommendation that says try Left Hand Fade to Black. Much mm. love from Stacy in Denver. I love Left Hand beers. Ooh, and I have I have two I have two thank yous here, Captain, saying the same thing. So these are these are two people saying that they have mad pod Captain crushes. This is Uh, is Valerie in West Bend, Wisconsin, and Vanessa in Grove Heights, Minnesota. So (laughs) I tell you what, if you haven't done so already and you have a Captain Crush, you need to go and show it by sporting a Team Captain tank top from the TrueCrimeGarage.com store page.
2: And don't worry, we're working on Team Colonel tanks as we speak.
1: And last but not least, we send a big thank you to Chris in Bayon, New Jersey. So thanks to everybody for filling up the fridge this week. And if you want to buy us around for next week's show, go to TrueCrimeGarage.com, click on the donate button.
2: Yeah, and for anything true crime, check out TrueCrimeGarage.com. And uh, we got the store there. We got a bunch of t-shirts for sale. We got the old episodes. We got the bonus episodes, the Brick of Family Murder episode. If you haven't listened to it and you need something to listen to during the holiday, a bunch of podcasters, they take breaks. Uh, We didn't know we're allowed to take breaks, so we didn't take one. Happy Fourth of July, everybody.
1: All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a patriotic beer, one of those good old American beers, and let's talk some true crime. All right, Captain, we have to dive right in because we are about waist deep in this whole Madeline McCann disappearance and investigation. Mm -hmm. We already covered a lot of stuff yesterday and still a ton more to get to. Today we want to start looking at items and does it point towards guilt or innocence and of who, specifically the McCann family?
2: So what we'll do is we'll start the day that she went missing, which or the night she went missing, May 3rd
1: correct so we have the timeline we discussed the timeline uh, yesterday and but there's some things to look at inside of this timeline mm-hmm. first of first of all the the number of times that the the persons involved being questioned seemed a little light to me captain it seemed like you know th- that they didn't sit down with these key players to, to produce this timeline what it was wasn't until seven days later.
2: Yeah, so on May third, they kind of got a rough idea of what happened, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they actually jotted down these notes or not. They're all, they also talked to some of the individuals that worked at the hotel, but again, they were more focused on the search, which you know makes sense at the time. Uh, again, I think investigators should have looked at this as the worst case possible, you know, worst case scenario, and also when you're showing up to a scene. And the mother is saying, Hey, the window was open. Somebody took my daughter. Make that a crime scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't do that. So there's some inconsistencies here. Now, they didn't get the Tappas Nine's statements till about seven days later. So that's a flaw in the investigation. But some of the stuff with the Tappas Nine's stories don't line up with each other. Correct. And some of that could be chalked up to well, it was seven days later, and he just went through this world when. Uh, 48 hours of nonstop searching for this little girl.
1: One big problem that we have with the timeline itself is that it doesn't actually line up with what is given information given to them by uh, employees and staff at the resort itself. Right. There seems to be a discrepancy that could go, what about 30 minutes. Um, What do you think about that? Just jumping off the page there before we get into the timeline itself, the discrepancy between the resort staff and the, the, the tapas not
2: Again, I believe that, yeah, you look for the girl. You do a search. But as you're looking for the girl, you're possibly looking for somebody that took the girl. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that. But they should have locked down that scene for sure. But as far as like the stories lining up, I don't know if it points to a guilty or innocent for the, as far as the McCains go. So to me, it's like just a moot point. It's bad investigation. I can't go back and fix it. We can... The, and the, these individuals were only questioned one time. Uh, yeah. This case has gone on for 10 years. They could have been questioned more often to see if maybe they remembered something differently. So as far as the story is not lining up with the resort or with themselves, I don't think it points to innocence nor guilt.
1: The thing here is, you know, you know, I don't want to sound like we're laying it on the investigators too, too heavy. No. because you know the the problem is when you walk into a situation like this you can't go okay time out and freeze time and take a look at everything and 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 cover all your bases no everything is still happening around
2: you if right. in fact but what she, you could do is lock down that scene
1: yeah it, correct and if in fact she's been abducted well she could be potentially getting further and further away from you and that scene Just within minutes and hours of of your presence. Correct. Okay, so the other issue we have here is, and I'm going to point to something that we talked about last week when we covered the fifth nail. Mm -hmm. One thing that I was really impressed with was the way that they handled that investigation. And the thing that impressed me the most was we had several investigators coming out and saying, you know what, we're looking into something that there's no profile for. We've never showed up to a home before and seen a family taken out. And then we have abducted people from that same scene. There's We've never seen this before. We don't know how to react to this. Right. And that's what you're doing in the early stages of an investigation. You're ultimately reacting to the scene that you are finding and what you're finding within that scene. So I think one thing that they did really well in the, in the fifth nail investigation was they broke off into two teams. And they said, okay, one team, you're going to focus on the abduction, finding the, the children. Mm-hmm. The other team, you're gonna focus on the crime scene and and this this murder situation that we found here right I know that's tough to do in a lot of situations, but you know if you if you can walk into a scene and you can say we're not really sure what we're looking at here. We don't know if this is an abduction or if something happened on site mm-hmm. if you could break off into those two groups and focus and say, you know what mom and dad, And all of your friends, we're going to have to sit you down and we're going to have to talk through this while we don't worry. Don't worry. We are not stopping you from finding your children. We are we are covering our bases. We're getting much needed, very important information because one, we want to find out if we can narrow down what time the girl was taken. That's Mm -hmm. very important. So mom and dad, we're asking you to sit down, your friends to sit down. We need to discuss this at length. Meanwhile, there will be a lot. of. There were hundreds of people that night. There will be people out there looking for Madeline while we cover this process.
2: And a lot of the reports were stating one of the things that makes them look guilty is that they were just kind of around apartment 5A Mm -hmm. and they weren't actually looking themselves. But again, they called in authorities, right? They didn't. (laughs) It wasn't like that. The resort had to call on authorities. They asked for the, the authorities to be there. Correct. And so does that point to them being guilty or innocent? Neither, because they might have just been doing what the authorities told them to do. I think it points to their innocence and the fact that they did call for authorities. And then when those authorities showed up and things didn't seem to like make sense, because the mother stated right away, look, this girl was abducted. And when they started saying, well, it's possible that she ran off, she's going, look, there's an open window. There's evidence that points to that she was abducted. Another key piece of evidence in this whole thing at the, in the early stages of the investigation is that Kate McCain, she's, uh, she would state that she wanted the FBI involved. Mm-hmm. She wanted higher authorities because this town wasn't known to have a big law enforcement presence, and so she wanted higher ups to come in and help. Now, if you're guilty, why would you want that?
1: The other thing here, Captain, this might be something that the investigators were very inexperienced at. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I read one report stating that uh, Portugal has a significantly lower child abduction rate than a lot of other countries out there. So might be something that is foreign to them. Um, so let's take a look at the timeline real quick. Is there anything that, that jumps off of the page immediately? The first, the first thing that I look at here is we have the kids quote unquote daycare center where you can take the kids to be dropped off. They can be, they can be watched by there's nannies at the resort. Right. Um, now, so our first question about the McCann's behavior would be, well, if you're going out to dinner, why not take your kids to? To, to this center, to, to be watched by nannies, by professional people, and they can be picked up after.
2: I think most people that look into this case all pretty much agree that what they did was uh, you know some form of neglect and some, some form of bad parenting. Yes. Uh, I can kind of understand it, and we differ from this, because I've seen video footage where the McCains are sitting at the bar at the tapas, and they, they take a video footage and they zoom in and they can see their, their sliding glass door from where they're sitting. So would that make you feel a little bit more comfortable? Yeah, but there's street access to that sliding glass door that you're leaving unlocked Mm -hmm. and possibly the front door is possibly unlocked as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a form of neglect.
1: Well, and what the captain means by "he and I differ on something" it's about we we disagree on whether the McCanns could see the back patio to their apartment or not. Now, I want to throw this out there in the cat. This is actually I'm going to defend the captain, not myself, even though we disagree. Mm-hmm. I watched some video footage that was pre- pre- presented, as well as some photographs taken from an area of that Tapas restaurant. Now, I was told by the person conducting the video as well as the person that released these photographs that he was or they were positioned about where the McCann's were from his position. You could not see their patio. You could see the top of their apartment, but this is why this is how I'm defending the captain. Once I saw the photograph and a video thing, I didn't look any further. Right. So, there could be other angles out there. There could be other evidence to uh to go against what I'm saying here. but what I found the limited amount, the small sample size that I saw, you couldn't see that area the, regarding the daycare itself, captain, it, you know you mentioned that it was about fifteen bucks an hour. maybe they were being cheap my kind right. of kind of the way I lean here, and I agree with you i I one hundred percent that there's negligence on the on the part of the McCann's. right. The thing here is, I, I question: did did that daycare did it close at like nine p.m. and this would be after they would they you know not a desirable time to return home? Uh, the other thought here is a lot of people, a lot of parents are big about keeping very small kids on a certain schedule, and they don't like to they don't like to stray from that schedule too much. I wonder if it's because it's past their bedtime, they thought they could just simply put the kids to bed and come in and check on them from time to time.
2: Um, Right. A lot of that is neither here nor there because you know we can't go back and change that. But the fact of the matter is, as far as behavior goes, there's nobody in the resorts that ever said that Jerry or Kate McCain were acting strange in any way, nor did they say any of the Tapas Nine were, any of them mm -hmm. were acting strange. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Now we have the, we also have the situation of the last photograph taken of Madeline. Um, this being where the parents say that the picture was taken at almost two thirty p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clock on the camera reads about 1.30 p.m. and the McCanns simply later state that the clock is off on the camera by one hour. Do you do you find any suspicious behavior here or anything that points towards uh, this would? You know, no, showing think, some kind I think of guilt.
2: I think it's one of those points that people bring up in this case, like that it like it's a big deal. Because mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about this earlier, it's kind of like the Brandon Lawson case. You feel like if you can solve one line, that maybe you can solve the whole case. Right. And I think any big case like this, I mean, John Bene Ramsey, Casey Anthony, the, there becomes these minute details, and if you can solve that, then you can solve the th- whole thing. So I think people that bring up this last picture. Um, uh, look, there's, you know, because they were trying to figure out the last time that, that she's seen alive. And so the, and the reason why they're doing that is because they're trying to say, well, if we make this window bigger, right. Right. And she actually has a picture taken at one thirty and not two 30. That gives them less of a time for there to be an accident or for them to accidentally o- overdose her and then hide her body. Right. There's a couple of problems with that. We have one of the tapest nine that claims that he saw her about six thirty. But there's also on record, I think, like five five thirty that people from the resort saw her. Right. So again, this picture doesn't matter because we already have people seeing her afterwards,
1: and that leads us to our next thing here. We have David Payne, who just after six thirty, he stops off at the tennis court. He talks to Jerry McCann for a second. Mm -hmm. And according to what report you hear, either Jerry asked David to go check on Kate and the children at their apartment in five a, or David asked him "Oh, where's Kate and the kids and then decides to go up there. Um, It doesn't matter who asked who, what in my opinion. uh, But like the captain said, we have David Payne saying that he sees Madeline during this time. One thing that has fallen into question, the lead investigator Uh, on this early in the investigation, who has, I should point out, has been removed as far as being the lead investigator in this. Mm -hmm. Um, He points out a major inconsistency here. He states that he has some reports from the Tapas 9 stating that David Payne was at the McCann apartment for close to 30 minutes, Where you have Kate McCann stating he was there for more like 30 seconds or one minute. He's there for a very brief time period.
2: Again, a lot of these details that they're asking him about come seven days later after 48 48 hours of crazily, crazy, is that even a word? Crazily, is that a word? (laughs) That's, I just made, I'm going to stick with that. Crazily looking for this three-year-old child.
1: That's on the vocab test and the computer. Yeah.
2: computer, and, and, and pewter land.
1: <laughs> um, sorry about that. But it, the oh, thing here is, it's,
2: and look, it, it's 4th of July. We're a little loose. Sorry.
1: I think to me, to me, this does matter mm-hmm. because after this guy leaves, after David Payne leaves, well, we only have the McCann's after that saying that Madeline's okay. And that right. she's at the apartment. So to me, this thirty seconds to thirty minutes does matter. Uh, the problem I have here is, w- why can't you just why can't you just tell me that you know there should be there should be a way to figure this out? You, you if you have multiple people saying one story is true compared to the other, then you would likely believe that that story A is is more believable because you have other accounts of that same well again,
2: okay okay here, here's why it doesn't matter that much one you should question them again but they didn't uh they should have questioned them multiple times they should have questioned them that night they should question them the next day they should have they should have seven days of stories mm-hmm. and and then look some of that stuff is going to change but all that changes the time window is by 30 minutes so it either goes from four you know maybe four hours to three hours I know I just said thirty minutes but it's it, it doesn't change it that much. I mean, we're talking about maybe he sees them at six 30, maybe he stays till seven. So then the police are called about 10 o'clock. Right. So uh, you got a three hour window that something happened and then you're going to have to, and you're going to have to hide this body. Now, mind you that at six 30, when he's talking with um, Jerry McCain, he has an hour long tennis lesson. So he's not even getting back to the room for another hour.
1: Right. So his tennis lesson would have started at six and it would have finished at seven. So he would have he would have been returning depending on whose story you believe uh, he would be returning right around the time that David Payne would be leaving. If, in fact, David Payne was there for approximately 30 minutes. Right.
2: And does this matter? Maybe it matters because it changes as far as the timeline goes, but it doesn't point either innocence or guilt towards the McCain's.
1: So we have a situation here, Captain, where we have Jerry and Kate McCann. They're arriving at the Tapas restaurant at approximately 8.35. Um, it says that they are the first couple of the group to arrive. And now we know that all of these group members are leaving children behind in their rooms and checking on them periodically. Now, I've heard, you know, usually when, I, when I've when i talked about this case with, with friends and, and whoever in the past— you know, because this case has been so popular, it's not you the first. Friends? It's not the first time that it's been you know brought up as far as uh, over drinks, right? Uh, but the question I first hear people say, not asking me indirectly, just asking everybody, is who goes out to dinner and leaves their kids at home? Well, in this situation,
2: all of them did. Every
1: yeah, <laughs> every yeah. parent in and the I, group did. The only person there without children was was a grandmother.
2: Well, and mind you you know, if you, if you have a sick feeling about this to make you feel a little more sick, they did this. This is the sixth day of doing this, right? The uh, sixth night.
1: Of yeah, doing there's, there's conflicting stories of that, but
2: this Maybe was not five the, nights. Yeah.
1: This was definitely not the first time at the, at the very least it was the fourth or fifth time that they had done it on the trip. It sounds like it's very possible. They did this every night that it was a very routine trip. That they, you know, they did a drop the kids off at the daycare during the day, went out, did some things, spent time with the family, you know, afterwards, and then it's kids go to
2: bed, parents go down to the Tapas Bar and Restaurant to eat and drink. Right now, but hear me out on this though. I mean, think about somebody that had, you know, decent house, right? You've been to a buddy's, they got a decent house, they got a pool, and uh, I was just hanging out with my buddy the other the the other week. Uh, So he has a nice house, sliding glass doors, opens up to the pool. On the other side of the pool is a little, like, bar area. Like, I don't know what you want to call it. It's basically like a little shack that he, he made, mm-hmm. right? Now, if it was at somebody's home, same distance, you know, 50 meters, nobody would bat an eye. You know, they'd say, oh, yeah, they're out by their pool bar drinking, and their, the back door wasn't locked because they could see it, and the front door, we're, we're assuming, is locked. And then the kid goes missing.
1: I, I'm batting an eye just because of the children's age. I think it's it's a little young. It's a little early for that. But it, look, well, I'm not going to uh, tell anybody how to raise their kids. I'm just saying I wouldn't have done Well, it.
2: and I believe one of the groups, they actually had, um, now not the McCain's, but one of the other sets of parents had actually a baby monitor. Hmm. So, uh, look, I, I think it's definitely you know form of neglect. and. If the McCains could go back and do it all over again, you think they would do that? Heck no.
1: Here's where we have our first problem, in my opinion. You know, we those are all been items that have been discussed and, and really been debated uh, to, to, to to the end. Right. Um, so far I don't see anything pointing in the, the direction of guilt or not guilty. Um here's where we have our first problem, in my opinion. 905. Uh Jerry McCann returns to the apartment I said during our timeline yesterday mm-hmm. that he returned to the apartment through the unlocked patio door to check on the children. Now, one, the big problem here is that this story has changed that on one occasion, on at least one occasion, Jerry reported to the authorities that he in fact went through the front door, uh, which, which he states was locked at the time, went through the front locked door to check on the kids And on another occasion says that he went through the unlocked back patio door.
2: Well, let me explain this. Like I said, they they did this probably five to, let's just say five to six nights, right? Mm -hmm. So the first couple nights, what they did was people would take turns checking on each other's kids, but they all locked their doors. And so they had to have the keys to get into the doors, right? So when you're asking somebody seven days later, he's not remembering one night. He's remembering multiple nights. So, and again, I think the McCain's even said that the first few nights that they're there, they actually didn't go through the sliding glass door. Uh, they were actually going through the front door. Correct. So again, inconsistencies of stories, but, uh, and the, the police always point out that, you know, the the McCain's say that they're going through the sliding glass door, but all the other parents are saying that they're going around to the front of the building. Well, the ones that were going around to the front of the building were the ones that were on the second floor because that's how you got to the second floor. So there's inconsistencies there.
1: Right, because you can't enter through your patio that's on the second floor. It's a balcony.
2: Right. So is is it inconsistent? Is he being a nefarious? I don't think so. I think he's just misremembering. But when it comes down to it, what it comes down to is what he says when he opens up the door. You know, the door was open up a little bit. He looks in, he sees the twins, but he can't necessarily see Madeline. Well, that's only possible if you're coming through the back of the room and not through the front door, because if you opened up that front door, you would have saw her first. Well, because she would be the first person in sight uh, in the eyesight line.
1: The thing here is, Captain, uh, we have a, we have an issue because one would ask well why would you why would you stray from going through the front door well and and then change to the back door the the thing here is it's a longer route you right. know and it, it, they said that they were worried about noise about waking the children that could be it but it's also a longer route if you look at the route taken to enter the patio compared to the front door you almost feel like with the front door you almost feel like you're walking out of the resort, leaving the resort, you're beyond the wall. You're now traveling along the street Mm -hmm. to get up to that front door, where if you are going through the patio, you pretty much feel like you're staying within the walls of the resort. And it's almost about half the trip when you break down the time uh, to get from, you know, comparing the two, the patio is about half the trip.
2: Well, right. And if you go through the, if you go through the back door, the uh, backsliding glass door, you just have to peek in to the room. If mm-hmm. you go in the front door, you have to actually go through that room so you can take a leak or whatever.
1: Jerry says that when he's in there, he sees that the door is now open quite a bit more than what he thought that they had left it when they went to dinner. Mm-hmm. The other thing here, too, is he would later report you know, that he he believed that he felt... Some kind of presence. Looking back, he says he felt some kind of presence in in the apartment.
2: I believe he did. Yeah.
1: Um, The thing here is, well, what about the window? And I know we, I know we kind of come to that at the end of their timeline. But this is something we should keep an eye on and monitor as we go through the timeline, right? Because right now jerry's not reporting the window being open right right now jerry's not reporting that the door to the bedroom blows shut because he created some kind of draft depending on which way he entered the apartment
2: okay well the window to the wall um let's get into the window right after this quick beer break
1: while your subscription is active.
2: All right. Welcome back to the Captain and the Colonel show. Cheers, mates.
1: All right. Let's not get to the window yet, because there's something we, we got to get to the window first, right? Okay. So let's say, let's go with this. At 930, this is when Kate is supposed to go back up to the room And check on the kids. Instead, we have Matt Oldfield and Russell O'Brien. They are leaving the table to go check on children as well. Mm -hmm. So Matt then offers that he will check on Kate's kids while he's away from the table, which is not going to be very hard because he can be told that the patio doors are unlocked and you can just go in that way, Matt, and check on the kids, right? Right. We have some problems with Matthew Oldfield's statements. And one of them being that he doesn't physically see Madeline McCann. He states that he kind of just, you know, kind of peeked into the door. He, he thought the door was open more than, than what he was told it should be, you know, Mm -hmm. but that at the time didn't matter anything to him. He didn't know that the McCann's left the door closed. He didn't know that Jerry found the door open and then closed it more. So he, he notes that the door is open. He just kind of peeks in.
2: He sees the twins.
1: Sees the twins. He also just kind of listens with the old ear. Mm, don't hear anything. Nothing, nothing seems wrong here. Everything's good. I got to run and check on some other kids, and then I'm back at the restaurant. Mm. The other thing, though, that he points out here, the thing that I think that is very important, is he also, even regardless whether the door is open, slightly ajar, all the way open, whatever, he doesn't he at no time gives any evidence to point that the window is open at this time either. Right. So no evidence from Jerry or Matt
2: that the window is open. Well, and there's no evidence of the window being open because there was multiple times that different people had to walk around to the front of the building. Mm-hmm. So by them walking around to the front of the building, maybe they looked over, but they would have noticed if, you know, cause there's this metal, like little tiny, like what we talked about, like a, almost like a garage door on, uh, over the window Mm -hmm. that has to be open. I think people would have noticed that if they walked by the front of the building.
1: Right. So the thing here though, now we have 10 o'clock and Kate goes to check on the room Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: she states definitively, she's got that. She's got that little piece in there about the door slamming shut or the door blowing shut. And I'm assuming that it's because the window is open and she's created some kind of draft by opening up uh, the patio doors or, or whatever, creating a draft, causing the door to shut. We've all experienced that before.
2: Well, right. And, and look, uh, to be fair to these parents, I mean, look, any time that you'd have to check on kids, you know, you know like, you know, my my stepson used to sleep upstairs by my room. If I would go to the bathroom upstairs, maybe I would like, you know, peek in. Maybe I want to see both of them, but I kind of listen in, you know, so that's not uncommon, you know? And so I, I, I assume this is why it's a big deal about the door moving is because I think when Kate went in, I think a lot of these trips that the the parents were making to check on their, their kids Mm -hmm. were all, it was also, I got to use the restroom, you know, we're we're drinking, I got to take a pee. Right. Right. And so I think sometimes, you know, it's just like uh, when Jerry says, well, I went in, but I, I don't really know if I, or when they say, when they, sorry, I'm a little discombobulated. <laughs> nah, I can't even speak. Okay. I'm just going to keep going. Screw it. Um, So I think some of them just went in to take a pee and then, then they're, they're going to listen. Right. And I think this time, this is why it startled her is because I think she wasn't really going to check in on them. I think she's just going to take a leak. Right,
1: right, right, and, or, or or give a listen, or walk by the door,
2: right, and that would that would suffice, you know. But then all of a sudden, the bedroom door shuts, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Oh, what's up with that?" So, what's up with that? So she opens up the door and notices the windows open.
1: Right. So, hmm. let's 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 not give our opinion yet on this situation, right? Because I want to move on to the next thing. She then flees. She then fle- after looking around the apartment looking for Madeline she then leaves the apartment running mm-hmm. back to the restaurant to say that and there's some different accounts of what she said but the one that is is repeated every single time is that she says that they have taken her or right. you know th- she's basically stating that they've that she's been abducted Madeline's mm-hmm. been abducted so Now, that to me, I've never liked that statement. I always thought that that was a strange thing for her to say. And you and I've had this conversation before, and you point out a very good thing there where you say, well, it's only strange, Nick, to say that until you're the parent and you've seen the window wide open in the same room where your daughter was once sleeping. Mm -hmm. So I get that. I'm on your side with that. I have a little issue of her running to the restaurant. I don't know that that was my that would be my first go to um but again, I've never been in this situation. I don't know how I would react. One thing that I don't like as well is is, is it seems that she left the the smaller children alone in the apartment right to go to the restaurant to report what she believes she she found
2: right again though we're talking about a pretty small distance you know mm-hmm. Uh, one could argue that she could have actually stayed on you know, the balcony and just yelled.
1: Yeah, she could have shouted you know. it from the patio and, and you would think you you could hear it from there. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and also, they, they had cell phones, so yeah. they could have called or text.
1: I think that would have been, if I could put myself in that situation, if I had to be in that situation, now, I have the benefit of sitting here and thinking about it. However, I think that would be the go-to for me, to run out on that patio and just shout it from the mountaintop and hope that... Hope that the rest, you know, resort staff or your friends and and my friends and family hear me, um, and, and all come running.
2: Yeah. Or, I mean, again, the thing that I haven't thought much about till you, you've brought it up is that she did leave her twins. That's the thing. Which are, are way younger.
1: Yeah, remember when we covered the the Columbus case where where the man said he was in the woods with his wife and small child, mm-hmm. and he went ahead of the group and he discovered a man beating a woman to death, and he he decided to run out of the forest and run to a local business and call the police. Right. To me, that went unsolved for many many years, and I always thought found it to be very strange that he would leave his. Seemingly defenseless wife and small child behind where this maniac is and then run out and and call for help where, yes, maybe the window open points to her that that the person has fled. She did check the apartment and didn't see anybody in the apartment. I But I think at that point they weren't erring on the side of caution before when they left the kids alone. I would think by this point, though, you are snatching up those two small children and you're taking them with you to call for help. Right,
2: possibly. Or just, I'm going to run out there and maybe she didn't make it all the way to the... Maybe she only made it 20 meters, you know, and then they came running. Also, this would would actually make sense on why the the window was actually shut. Hmm. Because you're looking around and you can't find your daughter and now you're putting two and two together and you're going, wait a second. I think somebody came through this... I think somebody came through this goddamn window, right? So then you slam the window shut and then you could take off running. Hey, they t- they've they taken her. Right. You know, I need help. So that would explain why, you know, when the te- detectives show up and, and other people say, well, the window wasn't open. Right. Um, now, let's just go over the evidence on the window. They did take fingerprints. The only fingerprints that they found on the window or anywhere by the window was from Kate. Right. Like, again, would make sense because she was in that room. She was in that Uh, apartment 5A for, you know, seven or six days at that point. Uh, I don't think they even took um, forensic stuff or fingerprints for a long time afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, which is odd. Um, Another, you know, fail by the investigation.
1: Well, the thing here is, Captain, let's discuss this window because it's been said that the window could not be... It's been said that the McCann's stated that the window was closed and the shutters were closed. And then you have some people stating that you could not open the shutter from the outside. And I'll describe the shutter. It's metal slats. Like the captain said, it looks like a small garage door that would drop down and cover the entire window itself. Um it's controlled by a by what people say a strap or a cord inside. It's like a, it's
2: like a pulley system. Pulley
1: yeah. system that would that would open up this tiny little
2: garage door and yeah. then it drops closed. Yeah, you want to think of this as like a like a Chicago storefront or a New York storefront mm-hmm. where they have the metal that slides down in front of the storefront so every morning they have to lift it up, you know, it, and then you see the storefront and then you pull back it down when you leave for the night. Here's it here, <laughs> look 10 years of talking about this case, 10 years of people looking into this case. All they had to do was test it. They tested it. They had a guy in his fifties, maybe sixties detective. All you have to do is go up, put a little bit of pressure on it and it lifts up a little bit. And that allows you enough to open up the window. And then you put your hand through and pull on the pulley and it goes up. Look, yeah, but for I've this- seen, I've seen it on video. For, so,
1: but for this to work, a couple of things have to happen. When I first looked at that window and looked at the shutter, I was very impressed because I'm like, okay, this is not just a shutter to keep the lights out. This is a shutter for th- security, a security shutter. Mm-hmm. It's a security issue. So, the thing here is, I, when I first looked at it, I thought, you know what? That to me appears to be a shutter that you could. I believe you could open it from the outside just by appearance not even having seen that test conducted. Right. My next thought was that if I were to force that shutter open, that I would cause significant damage to it or a good deal of noise. Um, That test that you showed me, it it appears that they didn't have to create damage to Mm -hmm. the shutter and it didn't seem to create much noise at all. No more than it would if it was normally going up or normally going closed. The, the issue here, though, is to get your hand inside the window, then the window needs to be unlocked, correct? The, the latch lock would have to be unlocked for one to get their hand in to pull the thing the, the remainder of the way up.
2: Yeah, but I think this goes out to the investigation. They didn't test this stuff early enough. They didn't ask the right questions about this window enough. I mean, I don't know if the McCain's had this window open up earlier or not. Right, and so. that's the
1: thing. That's the thing they were were asked from the get-go. You know, what was this window closed and was it locked? And the McCann said, "You know what? We can't state for sure. Right. We can say that it was closed, but we can't say definitely that it was locked." And second of all, you know, when they interviewed the staff, the resort staff, the cleaning crew said, "You know, it's not uncommon for us to come into an apartment and open up the windows while we're cleaning." And then close them before we leave. Therefore, the McCanns could have never even operated the window, right. and it was left unlocked by by somebody that stayed there previously, or the ho-
2: the <laughs> resort staff. I think I swallowed a bug. Um, yeah, and we know that this security system didn't work too well, anyways, because these these little uh, garage doors, if you will, are not on the windows anymore. They actually place bars on the windows.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that's the selling key to me. That's what sold it for me, Captain. You showed me that test and I thought, "Mm, I I might be wrong about this, but what sold it for me with having a background in property management, I know that that's, it's so much of a budget business. You know, you work within the budget as far as improvements go of your property. Right. And therefore, if you're doing a good job, you never pay for any improvements that are not needed. So by the resort, placing bars over this window, that tells me that the people that own the property, that run the property and operate it, they believe that you can open up those shutters and those windows from the outside.
2: And I just think with all, like I said, all the evidence and the little tiny details of her stating that the door shut. Which you know you'd think that her coming in the back door would create some kind of vacuum or something, or some kind of current to to make the door shut. So with those little details, to me that points to them being innocent and that this was abduction.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. the 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 things regarding the window points to stranger abduction to me. Um, I but I'm going to back that up by saying that Kate's behavior during that period points to uh. To no. their, to them being guilty, to to yeah. strange. I I find her, I find her behavior to be strange. So at by this point, up until well, ten your o'clock, kid was
2: just abducted.
1: I understand that, but but up until ten o'clock, I have nothing pointing me in the direction of guilty or not guilty. Now we're sitting here at ten o'clock, ten thirty, and I'm I I've got one strike for guilty and one for not guilty.
2: It seems like with all these big cases, you know, in the true crime world, there's always like one little thing about each case. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, you take West Memphis 3, for example. I it's, I have a hard time getting around the fact that there's an eyewitness that says Damien Eccles and his girlfriend were coming out of the woods that night. Hard time getting around that. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that I, I think he's guilty, but I have a hard time getting around that. Now, with this case, we got these, these cadaver dogs. We got these blood-sniffing dogs. I have a hard time getting around some of this.
1: Yeah, these are like specialty dogs. And, and I say that because they... They have their own unique specialty that they do. So we have two. <laughs> we have two dogs, right? We uh-huh. we have uh, Eddie. He's the cadaver dog. He's the one that can locate human remains, and mm-hmm. it's and it's just human remains. It's not you know animal carcasses or anything like that. Then we have Keila. She's the blood dog. And the way that I've heard it described and read it in reports is that she can detect the smallest amount of blood in different locations. Now, how do they, these, these two dogs, not only do they have their, their specialties that they're good at, but they also have an extremely good track record. And I think it's something like over 200 cases where these dogs have been right. Well, how do they prove that the dog is right? Well, the dog, whether it be the cadaver dog or the blood dog hits and alerts the handler that there's a cadaver or blood there later, even if they can't, they can't see the blood they can test for it and they can find traces of blood there thus backing up that these dogs have a good track record
2: right but that's also like saying uh you know lebron james is the best because he's won uh 200 basketball games well how many did he lose you know what i mean right like, then nobody's perfect nobody but nobody's even stating how many they they've been wrong on that's i true. can't find anywhere but so here's what here's what happens is a Long time afterwards, over seventy days, right?
1: Yeah. So this would be in July, and remember, she went missing in early May.
2: Mm-hmm. And so they bring in these dogs, and they're going to go through apartment five A, yeah. and uh,
1: amongst other places, they they're going to venture down to the beach and throughout the resort. But it the troubles for the McCanns start in the apartment.
2: Yeah, because what happens here is, and you can watch this, these videotapes yourself on YouTube. But every now and then it seems like the dog handler makes like a little, you know, arm motion. And then the dogs start barking about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dogs end up barking by the, uh, by, by the, in the family room, by, by the couch. Right. And uh, then somewhere in the bedroom.
1: And- so, well, let me describe these two dogs for you. Because not only, not only do they have their, their specific, uh, job dudes, mm-hmm. but they have different ways of alerting. So the way that I understand it, Eddie, remember he's the cadaver dog. He is trained to only bark when he believes he's detecting a cadaver, a, right. a, you know, human remains, but he will, he will get to a spot that he thinks that he's detecting that. And he's just going to get bark, but you know, he's going to rap, 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 rap. Now the other dog has, a, not how dogs sound. has a different method. Mm-hmm. Okay. She Keela when she believes that she's detected blood, um, she will do what I, what I believe is called a like a silent alert where they, where she will put her nose or her face on it in the direction of, of what she believes that she's detected. So we have two different behaviors by these dogs. Now I will say I watched, I watched the video footage from this, uh, and I was, <laughs> I was, I was a little confused I didn't notice the the handler, the strange movements by the handler. Like you said, there's there's hey, people like that shoots
2: his arm out.
1: There's people that are saying that the handler was directing the dogs to behave a certain way. I saw that outside of the apartment, and we'll get to that. But right. within the test conducted in the apartment, I definitely saw that the dogs seemed to be interested in the couch. Uh-huh. They were also claimed that they were interested in a stuffed animal of Madeline's that they were interested in some clothing this believe, uh, belonging to Kate um and the thing here is though i didn't see any definitive behavior from the dogs that would lead me to believe that i saw multiple times where they would walk past the the clothing they would walk past the stuffed animals they the dogs were other than the couch seemed to be behaving strangely and they were hitting on the couch and as you said it was the the area behind the couch that they seemed to be really honing in on
2: right and but then they're also i mean the cadaver dog went pretty nuts in the bedroom yeah um so look i mean we could go through every little minute detail of that video watch it if you're interested basically what the police because of these dog because of these dogs and how much they've been right the the police basically the portuguese police came out and was like you know what Here's what's happening what we believe is that there was an accident maybe from the couch to the window she fell broke her neck or whatever and you guys covered this up because you know we have blood samples now uh, we got DNA and we're gonna test to see if there was a a, a dead body in this uh in this room mm-hmm. so that's what they came out and they and that's that's the That's the direction they went into this investigation. They stopped thinking about an intruder and said, "Look, we got now. We got to, you know, get these, get Kate and Jerry to be found guilty of this."
1: But the dog, the cadaver dog, also hit on the car. Now this was a rented car, and we haven't discussed the rented car yet. But they placed several vehicles, and I don't just mean like like, twenty, yeah, yeah. twenty to thirty vehicles in this in this parking garage. And they spaced them an even amount away from one another. And the dogs checked all of the, the vehicles, but they hit on the McCann's vehicle. This is a rented vehicle. They are, they are detecting some kind of smell or hitting on smells coming from the trunk area of this vehicle. Mm. The strange thing, though, was this was a vehicle that they rented 24 yeah, twenty
2: four days after she went missing.
1: After she went missing. So
2: so their theory then became that, well, that's no big deal because the, the McCains hit her body. Then when they came back to Portugal, they rented this vehicle and then they put her in uh, to the vehicle and then they drove to Spain. Now, they actually did drive to Spain the first day to put flyers out for their missing ch- for their missing child. But they also had a film crew with them that day. So, and it's videotaped. So the one day that they drove to Spain that the police are saying that they dumped her body, uh, there was camera crew in the back. Now that camera crew was friends of theirs. Mm -hmm. But again, now you're going to say that these, these two parents that have no, you know, no history of violence, no history, uh, of any criminal activity that they accidentally killed their daughter, their daughter accidentally died. They're covering it up, and they got nine other friends that are helping them cover it up. And now they got this camera crew helping them cover it up. It's kind of far fetched.
1: Let me throw this at you too, Captain, because the the statement there is that they would have moved the body. Right. And hid her in what one would guess would have to be a better hiding spot. Right. Or 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 cremated or 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 whatever. Some way of getting rid of the body. Here's the weird thing, though. Would you would you risk? So at this point, you've technically successfully hid that body for over 20 days. Would you would you risk being detected moving the body after you've successfully make, hid it for over 20 days? Unless you hit it in a manner that would be incriminating to yourself.
2: It just makes no damn sense.
1: It's it's very questionable
2: now. And now here, here's what happened. Because we've got to move this along a little bit, right? No. So (laughs) what happened then is the Portuguese police then bring Caden for questioning. Right. We're going to get back to the DNA results and all that stuff of what the dogs found. But they bring her in for questioning. She goes in about like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. She's there till like 1 a.m., right? Mm -hmm. They basically offer her a deal. And the deal is we think, you know, we lay it out. We... We think that it was an accidental death. We think you guys covered it up. We think that you were involved. We think that your husband was involved. Maybe somebody else, but we're just going to pin it on you two. But we understand that you have young twins. We understand that your husband is a physician. He makes a bunch of money. So what we'll do is we'll just charge you with it. And we're going to give you a plea deal for two years. Mm -hmm. You got to spend two years in jail. Now, all I'm saying is, you're offered two years. You probably feel guilty anyways. Uh, and why would you do this? Why would you cover up your your daughter's death? I don't know. But if you did, well, this is a pretty easy way out, right?
1: It's a very good deal for what you're being accused of.
2: It's an amazing deal. And she didn't take it. To me, that's a, that's a sign of her being innocent. Mm-hmm. And that's a sign of the husband being innocent. Now let's get back to these DNA results.
1: Yes. So this is a tricky item for me, captain, because what I'm seeing here is that they cannot rule out that the DNA in the blood, they cannot rule out that it's not Madeline's, but they cannot rule that it is hers.
2: Right. Out of 19 markers, which is very low. Normally DNA tests have more markers than this. For whatever reason, this test only has 19 markers. Now I would actually argue that, that there's a chance that they have more markers, mm-hmm. and that so only 15 of the 19 markers matched. So that doesn't rule out that it couldn't be Jerry's blood or it could be um, Kate's blood either, right? Because they're you know they make up the DNA of their daughter as well. So,
1: but it also sounds like they couldn't rule out maybe even a stranger in in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we 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 can not say that it's hers. We cannot say that it's not hers.
2: Right. But, but then there was arguments too that. They feel like some of the blood samples were of a male. Right. And obviously she's a three year old girl. So these tests are so weird to me and I wish there was, I looked for more stuff. I, I, I couldn't find Well, what I was interested to. And, and I was hearing on some other show where they were talking about that. There was definitive proof that there was a dead body in, uh, apartment 5a
1: well definitive proof other than what the dogs
2: right that's that's my problem and and that
1: seems like a, a bold statement to make when all when you're hearing this information secondhand and all you have is a dog that and like i said the behavior of those dogs i'm not a handler i don't understand it but the behavior didn't make any sense to me i didn't see a dog going directly up to an item and staying on that item
2: Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, and who knows? But at the end of the day, the only thing I could find that you know showed proof that there might have been a dead body in in apartment five A would have been the dog's reactions. But as far as like some test goes, I haven't seen it. So again, this DNA evidence doesn't prove to innocence or guilt.
1: Correct. All right. So we've talked about the McCanns quite a bit. Now we also didn't fully. We didn't fully clear the potential situation of a stranger abduction, right? We talked about that a lot, but let's get back into that because as of recent, there's been some more developments as far as that being a likely possibility. Mm -hmm. The first is being a man by the name of David Reed. Who is he? Well, he's a convicted British sex offender. He moved to the area to where Madeline McCann went missing in 2004. This was after being released from prison for sexually abusing young girls. Mm -hmm. He was living approximately 30 miles from where Madeline was staying with her family. This in 2007. The other thing that the authorities are looking at is a certain certain behavior that was going on. So from 2004 to 2006, in we're going to have to extend this area out. I'm going to say in the area, but we're talking about a large area here. Right. Okay.
2: 30, 40 miles.
1: Yeah. So there, there's 12 break-ins and these are all break-ins to, to people staying there on vacation during these break-ins. Whomever is doing this, they are assaulting, sexually assaulting girls that are of the ages between seven and 12. Mm -hmm. Now I want to be clear here. David Reed is a suspect in at least one of those break-ins, maybe a suspect in all 12 break-ins. We're discussing an area that is so large, in fact, that authorities, it took them years to realize that there's a potential that these are actually linked together. Right Now, as far as this investigation goes, yes, that behavior would fall into somebody that might go into the apartment and abduct Madeline McCann. That certainly follows that behavior. People breaking into different vacation homes. Right. The problem here though, Captain, is in those twelve incidences that we have, the authorities are stating that they have over they have 38 persons of interest in those cases. Right. And he is he's just only one of them, one of thirty-eight.
2: Well, and also David Reed is deceased.
1: Yeah, he passed away in 2013. Um, And they believe that he moved there in 2004 because at the time Portugal had no sex offender registry.
2: Yes, and also uh, a couple other things is not only was he maybe involved in these uh, break-ins and these sexual attacks, but there was also some other claims um, once he started becoming uh, known in the community and people started saying, hey, you got to look into this guy. Uh, some girls came forward and made some claims now those charges were never pressed so technically innocent until proven guilty uh, but this guy was uh, traveling like he would sing and play guitar and yep. bands yep. Uh, he I, I know of at least one confirmed where because of these attacks he was attacked himself why he was playing oh really like they they went we know what this guy is he's a he's a pedophile. Uh, he's committed crimes. He has some allegations against him. He might be creating more crimes. And they, they pummeled him right in front of everybody. Mm. So um, does he match any of the descriptions? Pseudo. Uh,
1: right, but as we mentioned, there there's a lot of people that would match some of those descriptions. And and I actually, in my opinion... Um, he, he's he's not as close as some of the, the you know he's not as close as jerry mccann in my opinion very true um but yeah yeah he vaguely matches the description
2: yeah so one of the other theories about this was not that it was an abduction but it was actually a burglary that went bad
1: yeah so this this has come about what just in the last year year and a half where Scotland Yard, they're saying that they are looking for possible links to burglaries and bogus charity collectors in the area at the time. They have released two of these eFit images of mm-hmm. Portuguese men that they would like to identify. There were four separate sightings of charity collectors on the afternoon of May 3rd at Praia de Luge, where she was taken from. One man approached a property near the Ocean Club at about 4 p.m. in that that afternoon. Police say there was also a very large increase in the number of burglaries in the area between January and May back in 2007. And one possible scenario, like the captain pointed out, was that Madeline, not assuming that nobody would be in this apartment, that it was going to be broken into, they were going to steal valuables and that Madeline had disturbed a burglar.
2: Right. But you're going in to grab a TV and oops, I got a kid. Oh, come on. Give me a break. This is the dumbest idea that I've, this is dumber than most of my ideas.
1: I do want to stay on this for, uh, for a minute, you know? So these collectors, these charity quote unquote charity collectors that they're looking for. What, how did this come about? Why did they stand out so much? Well, these were people that were walking around and collecting money for different organizations. But one thing that they were collecting for was orphanages. Mm-hmm. And how did they know that these are fake charity collectors? Because when they would get engaged in conversation with these people that they're trying to get money from, they would say, Oh, I'm collecting for this orphanage in this city. Well, the police are like, that's your report to me. Are you sure that's what he said? Because there's no orphanage in that city. Right. So they learn that these are, these are con artists and they believe they don't know. They believe that there's a link between these fake charity guys and the increase in, in the burglaries in the area at the time.
2: Yeah. Cause the idea would be, well, let's go in with the charity. And even if we don't get any money that we get information, Mm-hmm. And if we get get some information, we can go back. Yeah.
1: When we, when we say that there is an increase in burglaries in the area, we mean like within, in within the blocks, in the resort, within blocks of the resort. I think there was in three that immediate within area, right?
2: There was three within 17 days of her going missing. Correct. And there, and there was a break in like, I think seven days before, you know, they're in five a right above them. Mm -hmm. so but again the resort they they don't want to tell you this and then the resort doesn't want to tell you oh by the way we were telling authorities hey we need to stop this because this is bad for business and this is going to get out Mm -hmm. so I guarantee you they didn't tell the McCain's hey you might want to make sure everything's locked you know like that's no excuse you shouldn't leave your kids alone like that but if you would have heard about these things maybe you would be a little more on high alert but they don't want to alert you about it because it's bad for business. And then the, the cops don't want to bring this up because it's bad for business. So you got these cops pointing the finger at the parents of a girl that went missing when they, they know the, the, that there's been more break ins in that area in the last 17 days. Mm-hmm. That brings up the question of motive, Captain, right? Because we're talking
1: about I'm with you. As far as we're talking about a burglary gone of bad. Of course,
2: you're here with me. I'm stuck with you. We're in the crotch. <laughs>
1: We're talking about a burglary gone bad. So I break into a place. I'm looking for cash and jewelry. This is something that I've done multiple times, right? Because of course I do it all the time, every weekend. How do you think we got these new mics? I get inside and I'm startled by the presence of a little girl who might even be too young to identify me seeing that she does not know who I am.
2: And you don't know if she knows karate or anything.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to abduct that girl as a, you know what? Maybe this kid is more valuable than what I came in here looking for. Or maybe I'm going to abduct her because she saw me. I think this is a jump. This is a bit of a, a, a this doesn't it feel like they're reaching here, Captain, where they're like, "You know what? There's we we see we see this uptick in burglaries." And maybe it's no coincidence that this happened at the same time that a small girl
2: was stolen from an well, apartment. And what's weird is this is the theory that's coming from the Scotland Yard Police. So it has nothing to do with the Portuguese police. If it had something to do with the Portuguese police, I would say, well, this makes sense because they don't want you to fear for abduction. They don't want to fear for sex trafficking. They want you to fear just a break-in. Mm-hmm. It's a break-in gone bad. But but it's weird that it comes from uh, from the Scotland Yard, please. I, I think this is stupid. the The motive is purely it's it's sexual or to sell into s- sex trafficking. It's ridiculous. So that's, that's the motive. So
1: without even discussing it, you want to dismiss the what what motive the McCanns might have, right? So we we have we you're stating that the motivation would be sexual or some form of abduction motivation. The McCanns. It it seems like their situation would be a bit of a leap for a little bit of a stretch and a reach as well for to, to make a motive out of their their daughter accidentally died.
2: Yeah, their physicians, if, if they walked in and their daughter had an accident, they're going to call an ambulance. They're going to call somebody for help. Their doctors, they took an oath. I have a lot of nurse friends. They took an oath they take that serious
1: but captain they they were sedating their daughter and she died possibly of an overdose why why wouldn't they cover that up
2: again it's a easy it's a, within seconds you call your ambulance what happened she got into this medicine
1: yeah. Looks like candy. She ate it. We've had this problem before.
2: Yeah. Or uh I accidentally gave her a dose and then my wife did. Mm-hmm. We made a mistake. We've the- caught her fumbling with the pills before. You know, it's it's right. easily explainable.
1: So where does that leave us? Are you stating do you believe the McCanns are, are innocent and have been victims of uh of some bad luck here? Or or do you think Who do you think it's not,
2: it's not like it was their only daughter and that they were like, Hey, you know what? If we can get rid of her, we'll just, we can go party with Casey Anthony. No, no, that's not, you know, it's ridiculous. They had twins. It took them a long time to have Madeline. Like they didn't even know if they're going to be able to have kids. It was a, you know, they, they thought it was like the miracle child. These, these, these people were thrown under the bus. Right When people didn't do their job and didn't do the investigation. And I think still, I still think there is motive from um, the resort, from the community. Uh, you know, there's, there's even signs that are painted like on the stop signs. I'll say stop McCain or stop Madeline circus mm-hmm. because they don't want this publicity. Well, it's like, you know, if you're going to have people going and taking vacations to your place, then uh your police need to do a better job. You need to do a better job. The parents needed to do a better job. Um, you know, it's a very miss it's misfortunate, but uh I think they got thrown under the bus.
1: I cannot decide, to be honest with you, Captain. I know people don't like that when somebody sits there on a fence Boo. and they don't pick a side Here's here's the fence I'm sitting on. I have the McCann's on one side. And, I hope it's a sharp fence. and stranger abduction on the other. And I feel like I know this is an easy out, but I feel like I, ha- I don't have enough information to go either way with it. I do see some su- su- what I think is suspicious behavior on the part of the McCann's. Right. But I also th- see things that point towards they didn't do it. The therein lies the problem. The window for me is key. If that window was open, if we found somebody else's fingerprints on that window, I would say I would never look at the McCann's again. Um, So the window for me is key. One thing here, and I'm going to throw this little theory out there, and it's slightly different than, than some, some other ones that we've already presented, but the lead investigator, he's gone on to write a book. He's gone on to uh, do a documentary um, mm-hmm. If you want to dive into those, I go for it. Re- I recommend it. He was very close to the case. The thing here is though, he you'll was, al-
2: you have to read the subtitles. Yeah. He was also removed
1: from the investigation. And my understanding of why he was removed was because there, we have Scotland yard. We have the British government. They were inquiring about one of the employees at the resort. And he either failed to respond to their inquiries or he failed to investigate this individual. Now, the thing, the reason why I like this theory is that the employee, like the, remember I said, for me, the window is key. And when I first saw that window, somebody that has a, a knowledge of the way buildings work and a, a knowledge of security, that window appeared to me that I would have to do great amount of damage to it to get the shutter open. However, an employee there might know that that's not the case that you could, you could Jimmy that shutter open. And most of the time these windows are unlocked and I'm going to break in there and I'm going to take something that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, So I, I throw that out there to everyone. Um, I and, don't.
2: And at the time you didn't have to be a registered sex offender. Yeah. So you could get that job.
1: Correct. So I, that's one thing that I would love to know more about. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, is this case solvable? I think with the evidence that we have and the information that we currently have, no, I don't think it's currently solvable. What What will help solve this is if somebody comes forward with information that we don't have or, unfortunately, if they find Madeline... Her,
2: her remains. If
1: they find her remains, mm-hmm. there's a possibility she could be alive out there somewhere. I think that the way that they find her and where they find her could point us to who is ultimately responsible
2: and a, cu- a couple things you know this this case is huge it's a whale I mean this could have really been like four parts uh, we could probably broke it down a little more clearly it's just so much the timeline if if Nick went through the timeline of 10 years there would have been like it's just so much so we kind of wanted to put, you know look at it more on the idea of here's something uh that points to maybe they're innocent or maybe they're guilty so but there's definitely a lot more to dive into this case there's also a bunch of sightings we haven't talked about those basically my take on any sightings of her being alive all the pictures that I have seen and this is just my gut feeling none of them are her except for one that I, I have a hard time you know my theory is more that somebody knew that she was there breaking them in Not for sex trafficking, but for their own um, sexual desires or whatever. And then when the media storm got too big, he had to get rid of the body. He had to get rid of the girl. Mm -hmm. That's my gut feeling. But when I see this surveillance picture of her in a convenience store, to me, my gut is telling me it is her. So if that's true, then where is she and who has her?
1: And just before this summer, they were making announcements to everybody that was traveling anywhere overseas to take a picture of Madeline with you and look around and look for her. It's 10 years later, and they, there's, still, there's still some hope out there.
2: Yeah, and there's other little things that we didn't talk about, like, you know, well, the McCain's, when they talked in press conferences, they seemed cold or just some of that stuff. I mean, I think those are little things that, that that's not going to help you solve a case. You know, maybe it, it, it puts a little sand on the mountain, but the the you really need to get to the meat and the potatoes.
1: Well, this was certainly a heavily requested case, and I want to thank everybody for requesting it.
2: Well, it actually was our number one requested show in the last couple months, really. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It's kind of weird how the world works. Like, I don't know if it's like we're all connected with this weird energy, but, man, it's like every other day I'd get one, Madeline McCain. I'm like, where is this coming from? This is a ten-year-old case. How about a little recommended reading here, Captain? You know, about a week or two
1: ago, I watched a great movie. I watched a movie called Split uh, by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, it's you know, I'm mm. not going to tell you too much about it because you know we don't want to be the the podcast that gives away movies. Yeah, it's only like a year old. Yeah, but I watched it a couple of weeks ago, and it was brilliant. But it reminded me of a story that a true crime story that I had read years ago. And I found out that M. Knight actually used quite a bit of this book for his research when he was writing the movie split. So today we're going to recommend the minds of Billy Milligan by Daniel keys. Now this is about a case that took place in Columbus, Ohio way back in the day. And Uh Billy Milligan, he was a man tormented by 24 distinct personalities battling for supremacy over his body a battle that culminated when he woke up in jail, arrested for the kidnap and rape of three women and a landmark trial. Billy was acquitted of his crimes by reason of insanity. Uh, this is one of the most interesting cases out there. I recommend picking up the minds of Billy Mulligan by Daniel keys. And you can do that by going to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on
2: our recommended page. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, do so Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, all that stuff at True Crime Garage.
1: We hope everybody had a good 4th of July. If you're on vacation this week, be good. Have a great vacation. Until next week, be good, be kind, and don't live.